Hey, uh, we are in our 11th Sunday in the book of Colossians, and we have seven more Sundays, including today, uh, through this book. How many more? Seven more. Now, out of these seven, just to give you a little feel for kind of what's happening, six out of the seven are all going to be in chapter three. That leaves, let's see, seven minus six. That leaves one, essentially, for all of, except for verse one of chapter four. We're going to be spending a lot of time in Colossians chapter three. Uh, and that's on purpose. That's by design here, uh, not next week, but the week after. We're kind of going to be doing a series within a series, coming out of the book as we're moving along, talking about Jesus Christ supreme in your home and in your work, in your career. We're going to be spending four weeks on that. But we're in chapter 3. I love chapter 3. And I love chapter 3 because Paul gets practical. Uh, uh, chapters 1, chapters 2 is so much about setting the foundation of thinking as we've talked about, right thinking leads to right living. And so chapters 1 and 2 have been all about that. Jesus Christ Supreme, chapter 1. Chapter 2 is in essence, listen, don't think any differently than that. Just Jesus Christ Supreme. It's really that simple uh, on the reality. of Chapter 3, we're getting into the how-to, uh, nuts and bolts, live that out in various areas of life. And I'll just say this, buckle up. <laughs> Because when Paul starts going into how to do life, I love the fact that he and God and the scriptures are so real. Like, let's cut the game. Let's cut the religious kind of hoity-toitiness. Let's just go to reality, okay? I live in reality world. I don't know about you, right? (laughs) Okay, we live in reality world. And not hoity-toity world, and so we get real about here, and that's where Paul goes on it. And and I think there's some pictures sometimes that people or we can have about Christianity, what it's supposed to look like. And here's five that it does not look like. Paul is not talking about us becoming people that look like, say, Mr. Disconnected. Okay, not that. Hey, if you're a nerd, awesome. But when it comes to being disconnected nerd, to where called to Christ, raised with Christ, we talked about last week, raised with Christ, where Christ is, as a follower of Jesus Christ, the goal is not to be stuck in thinking world. The goal is not just to sit with the Bible open and debate and argue and do all the points as a pre-trib, post-trib, blah, 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 Jesus is coming back. Oh, sorry, got a theology there. Uh, it's just like, let's just get after it here. Let's do things, not nerdy world. Uh, second op- option is uh, Mr. or Miss Righteous, self-righteous. Like, I've been raised with Christ. I'm where Christ is. I'm awesome. I'm amazing. And I know you want to be like me. And let me tell you how to be like me. It's like, oh, gag. Uh, with that. Just not, that's not what Paul calls us to be. A third one is uh, sometimes a mischritiquer of God. It's like now that I've been raised with and I'm seated with, I'm where Christ is, now I have a seat to complain to the Godhead and give them my thoughts and my critiques. And God, why do you do this? You should hear me out. And we kind of get critical in a walk with God. Our fourth one is Mr. or Miss Unworthy. I'm such a dunce. I'm just so worthless. There's no hope for me. I'm just mopey. What's with that? That's not what it's talking about. Here's a fifth one. Uh, Mr. Couch Potato Lazy Pants. That is not the call. 
That is not what we're supposed to be. It's like, uh, I got the golden ticket. Now I'm just going to kick it back and wait till I'm with the Lord. That is not the thing. And with these, or maybe there's some others. I mean, what's the deal with any of these? None of these should be the reality of how we see the Christian life. As we talked last week, uh, in the first four verses, we've been raised with Christ. That means uh, we've been raised with, that means we used to be in a different place. We've been raised with Christ from being separated in sin from God to now being in relationship with God, from being over here separated, now being where Christ is. It's like none of these make any sense. Why would I be like that? Why would I do that? Why would I think that is a normal way of life now that I am here in Christ? And yet in it, I also want to say this. Which ones of those or one of those oftentimes could be you. Because I do think in our walk with Christ, we generally go somewhere. We, we, we can kind of become Mr. Couch Potato Lazy Pants or Mr. Disconnected. And um, that's not what Paul depicts. That's not what Paul depicts. Instead, I would suggest there might be another picture to kind of give a representation of having been uh, given a new identity in Christ and a new position of Christ as we talked about last week and that calls for a new orientation. What might that picture look like? Well, I might suggest this. Maximus Decimus Meridius for Christ. That's what we're talking about. Ah. And I'm serious about it too. I mean, gladiator warriors who have been taken from sin and separation to relationship to where Christ is. And warriors and warrioresses for Christ, we got a mission on the table. No lazy pants stuff. What Paul talks about here, this is no sissy Christianity. This is no half-in Christianity. This is no wimpy, mamsy, pamsy Christianity. And when Paul starts out here in this chapter, uh, as we get where we're at, I'm telling you, he just comes right at it. And it's like this, verses 5 through 11. Gladiator warriors for Jesus Christ, one of the places where they're starting at, one of the things that they do is they get serious about sin. They get serious about sin. In their life. And that's what's happening here. So we're going to be in verses 5 through 11. It's a paragraph. You look in your Bible, you see it's a paragraph there. Let me just tell you one of the things as to how we're going to approach this. Uh, Verse 5 through 11, it's one paragraph, but it essentially contains two sentences. All right, I'm I'm, uh, uh, essentially verses 5 through 7, 8 through 11 in that. And these two sentences in the original language, they they have a common way that they flow. And so we're going to work with that flow. So I want for you to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing this morning. And the flow of that is this. And you can see this in your sermon notes in the update there in the back page there. Each of these sentences in the Greek begin with an imperative call. An imperative, that's a command. That's a you must do. Kind of thing. Each of them begin with an imperative call. Each of them, after the imperative call, then have a list, an example list. Like this, and this, and this, and this, and this, what I'm talking about. Uh, And then at the end of each of the sentence, uh, there's what I'm calling an explanation of why. 
In other words, I've been given an imperative call. Why should I do this? And uh, we're going to go about it this way. We're going to take a look at the two imperative calls. Then we're going to jump down to the bottom of the sentence and talk about the explanation of why that call. And then we're going to kind of come back up and talk about the list. Now, the reason I'm doing this is because I think a lot of times when I've heard this passage taught, a lot of times there's so much emphasis and so much time talking about explaining the list that it's like it becomes a list of do's and don'ts, if you will, or here don'ts. But, but the big part of it is, is you've got to understand why the list is there. And so we're going to be keying in on why the list, and then the list is there just to help us put some flesh to the why of it, okay? So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to head there. Let me pray as we get diving in here. God, I pray that your word would change us. And I don't mean just our thinking. God, I would pray that we would actually leave this room this morning with a warrior task noted down and we go to battle at it. God, the Christian life is not just about thoughts. It's about living. I pray we would be better livers for you. So would you speak? Would you be the one here making your word make sense? It is your word, and therefore we dive into it full on. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, here we go. Two imperative calls. Imperative call number one, look at verse five. It's the first three words. I'm coming from the English Standard Version. First three words, put to death. (laughs) I mean, it's like, uh, okay, Paul. Like, I guess you're like up and running, right? Uh, It's put to death. And and here's one of the things. Gladiator warriors get putting to death. Uh, I mean, they get that. Uh, That even in the movie. I mean, that's their job. Put it to death. And that's the word here. That's the verb that's being used here. Put to death. The the word here, it means uh, uh, this idea of a decisive resolution to exterminate. It's the decisive resolution to eradicate. It is a decisive resolution to kill. A decisive resolution to take its life out. Put to death. Put them, put the list. We're not going to the list yet. Just put it to death. That's the call that Paul has. By the way, put to death. That means don't tackle it. That means that it's not a call just to wound it. That means that it's not a call just to deter it or to cover it. Or to give it a time out. The call is kill it. And it's a command. You must kill these. Wow. Imperative call number two. Look at verse eight. But now you must put them all away. Put them away. Put them all away. Gladiator warriors put to death and they put them all away. They don't conquer and then leave it out for good. They conquer and they get rid of it. That's what conquering is. 
You come in and you conquer it. You take it. You consume it. You don't play with it like a cat playing with a half-dead mouse. You come in and you take it and you kill it and you, and you take it all out. You don't come in and, and just sit and observe it. You don't come in and you don't hang it in your closet for use for later on. No, no, no. You put them out. You get rid of them. That's the imperative calls of this paragraph. Put them to death. Put them all away. Now, are you getting a tone <laughs> here in this paragraph? You get a tone that, uh, as Paul's talking, he is very serious about this. He is very intense about it. He's not saying, hey, gee, Willie, I really would like it if you might. It might give me encouragement or, you know, it might make me happy. He's not saying in that. He is giving an imperative you must. And these two come together. Here's the call of the paragraph. Put them to death. Put them all away. That's what the paragraph is about. Now, the next question out of that is, why? I mean, we're thinking people. Chapter 1 and 2 called us to be thinking people. So I think, man, goodness sakes, Paul, you're just having a rough day? Or what's going on here? Uh, what's going on? Uh, why? Why should we put them to death? Why such an aggressive tone? Why such a strong call in all of this? Well, there's five reasons. And one, I actually, before we go to the end of the sentence, I want to pull one out of verse 5 because it's right there. It says, put to death, and then the next word is therefore. Now, the therefore means what's it there for? And the word we just pass right on by, but it's a connecting word. Therefore means it's tying to what was right previous to it. What was right previous to it is Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, what we talked last week. That you have been raised with Christ, you are with Christ, you have been given a new identity, a new position in Christ, a new identity and new position result in a whole new orientation. That's what we were talking. And now Paul's laying out the orientation and essentially, here's reason number one. Why should I be, why should I put to death? Why should I put them all out? Because of my identity and position in Christ. Because of my identity and position in Christ. Put to death therefore. In light of the fact that you have a new identity from separated, unregenerate, with sin to a person that when I receive Christ as my Savior to being redeemed, reconciled, brought back in relationship, forgiven, uh, sealed with by the Spirit of God, raised with uh, Ephesians chapter 2, made alive, when in light of all of that... I should live differently. I have been made from the old to the new. And because of that new identity and new position, it just makes no other sense than it demanding a whole new way to do life. That's why I kill it. That's why I put it to death. Because of what's taken place with my identity and my position. Now there's some other reasons. Look at verses 6 and 7, kind of the end of this first sentence, if you will. In the original language, verse 6, on account of these, don't even worry about what they are yet. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked. And you were living in them. 
So, so why the put to death? Well, reason number two is because my Lord abhors these things. He abhors these things. And if I've been raised and I've been seated and I'm where Christ is now because of the amazing work of Jesus Christ and the whole work of the Godhead, would it not make sense that I should now love what he loves and abhor what he abhors? Right? True? No, really, true? Yeah. I should love what he loves and abhor what he abhors. And here in it, he's basically saying, in this, on account of these kinds of things, the list, the wrath of God is coming. Now understand this. This is not saying that if you do these sins and you are redeemed in Christ, the wrath of God is coming out on you. It is not saying that. What it is saying is this. It is helping us to understand that this list of stuff is so important. And here's why you put it to death. Because it's sins like this that the future wrath of God is being poured out. That's why you and I need to take these things really serious. Because God takes them very serious. And God's wrath is going to be completely pulled out. And his hand is going to be removed from this earth. So that anything good that ever happens will not happen anymore. And his full wrath and his full judgment will be imploded upon uh, earth. And the reason for that is because of stuff like this that's in the list. And so I take these things seriously about putting them to death. Because one, my, my identity and position in Christ... Number two, because my, my Lord abhors these things. And if he abhors them, I need to abhor them. And, and third, look at the statement there. I'm saying here, number three, because I've lived them. He says, in these you too once walked. I, I love that addition in there. And the reason I love that in there is so that we don't get all high and mighty. Oh, I don't know any of those. I would never do any of those. Oh, baloney. We all know them. What list? It doesn't matter right now. I just want for us to know. Would we get there? We all know them. We all know them. And we're real church here. And one of my objectives today is for us to understand that these lists are so, give so much hope because I and I trust that you are so tired of fake church. This is a room filled with sinners. And we still sin, and we're all pursuing after Christ, and yet we all fail. Let's like get over that. Let's get over the fact of this game being played. Oh, I'm not, oh, oh, he's a pastor. Oh, you know, sometimes people are like, I get that, I remember. But it's, dudes, I'm a normal guy. Okay? Normal. And so are you. And we know these things. We don't even know the list yet, but I'm telling you, we know these things. We, we get them. Uh, and so three reasons. Why kill it? Because my identity and position, because my Lord abhors them, and because I totally know them. And so do you. Well, there's two more reasons. It, it's attached to the end of the next sentence. Look, go down to the middle of verse 9. It says, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free. Christ is all and in all. 
Number four, I am to put them all away because a work has already been done in me. Because a put-off, put-on work has already been done with me. And I don't have the time to go into it, but the form of that, it's a passive action. That means that the work being done is not my work. The work that's been done in me is a God-doing work. When, when you come to Jesus Christ, God does a work. And you say, yeah, but I received Christ as my Savior. Yeah, by God's grace you did that. And a dead person cannot make themselves alive. And so when you and I repent, which is a God work in us anyway, the fact of the matter is God comes and God puts off the old and puts on us the righteousness of Christ. There is a putting on, putting off work at your redemption. And that putting on, putting off work is a fantastic reality. Well, Doug, if at salvation I was made anew through this work of putting on, putting on, putting on, putting off work that God did, why then am I called to put to death and to put away? I mean, if that work's already been done, why am I called to do this? Why is it, if the old is gone, why am I still in a battle with sin? Great question. Here's the answer. Because the old, because the new self lives in the old body. We're not in heaven yet. Okay? Um, we still contend with the flesh. There is an already but not yet reality in our salvation. The put off, put on work that God has done is complete, full, secured. But yet I am still learning what it is to walk in that. Romans 8.23 says, we groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of the body. There's a thing within us, we're redeemed now, and yet it's not complete. I mean, the redemption work is complete, but we're not with the Lord yet. And so while we are here, we still are are, are plagued with sinful desires and sinful drives and passions associated with our fallen humanness. That's the fact of the matter. And the new self brings new life, but it does not bring instant spiritual maturity. When we come to Christ, we are a babe. And we are to grow up in it. We are to become what we have been made. We are to become what we have been made. Already made, but yet we have to become what uh, uh, all of what Christ has made in us. At salvation, we are clothed in Christ's righteousness and we are tasked to live it out. I mean, think about it. I made mention of it last Sunday. Those who are married, the day you are married... And you're like, you get married, you walk out, and you're like, I got this whole married thing figured out. I mean, dude, you're in trouble if you think that, or say, especially if you say that. But when you come to Jesus Christ, you are certified in Christ. You, as when you got married, you were legally certified. You were given a new identity, certified married, and a new position. It's no longer you alone. But living that out is an entire life reality. And it's the same thing with coming 
to Christ tasked to live out our Christ-likeness. Fifth explanation of why. Verse 11, put them all away because we are all in this together. There's some unique nuances to the end, but I'm going to hold it within the frame of reference we're talking about. In other words, our old differences and our polarities of existence, they're all overcome, they're all erased in Christ. Our backgrounds, our looks, tall, short, wide, thin, churched, unchurched, skin color, it's all irrelevant at the foot of the cross. This does have, a, in the context of that day, a racism, do not do that call. Put that to death. Because before Christ, it doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are, what the color of skin you have, it's irrelevant. You are in Christ. And the fact of that means that the, the beautiness of this body of, of united people under the name of Jesus Christ, everything else is irrelevant, but Jesus, he's the one who's supreme. The unitedness carries into this whole thing of putting off. We're to put off together. And I get very intense about this from this standpoint. I am sick and tired of American Christians living fake lives. And I'm talking about me too. I got my act together. And when I fail, I'm not telling anyone, talking to anyone. Uh, What's with that? Shame on us. That is so unbiblical that we have this idea within the church that you can't come and talk with someone about help for sin. I wouldn't do that because what are they going to think? That's so sad. This is a room filled with sinners. That's the fact. And chief among them stands here. And in this putting off, it's, it's a, we're together in this. And so I, while I love this picture of Maximus Decimus Meridius, there's also another picture that we've known back in the theater when we were there from the Joshua series that I think better depicts what we're talking about. And let's bring that one up. That's what we're talking about. Team. Gladiator warriors who know we're not perfect. Man, together we are on mission and we're helping each other for the mission goals. And that includes putting things in our lives to death. I got to tell you, that's real Christianity. And it doesn't make sense if you don't understand the reality of chapters 1, 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. Jesus Christ is supreme. And when I come to him, I have been raised with, I have been positioned with, I have been given a new identity in him. He's the king. He's supreme. And we're all to be about him together, right? That's what it's supposed to be. 
That's what Paul is calling us to do. And that includes this reality of putting off the things that slow us down, putting off the things that don't bring glory to our Savior. I need your help. And we need each other's help. So I just put on the table today, if there's any fake in this room, let's kill it. And if you're struggling, or if your marriage is struggling, if you are a single or a teen that's struggling, welcome to the team. So let's pause and summarize where we've come from. Two imperative calls. Put them to death and put them all away. Five explanations of why. Well, we put them to death and we put them all away because of our new identity and position in Christ. And we put them to death and we put them all away because the Lord abhors these things. And we put them to death and we put them all away because we know what it is to live them and we go back there real easily and quickly. And we put them to death and we put them all away because a a work has been already done in us. There's victory. There is hope. Listen, being a gladiator warrior for Jesus Christ is not easy. But there's hope in it. There has been a conquering work that's begun in us. And also, we're in this together, man. We're in this together, women. March ahead. That's what Paul's putting on the table. Okay, Doug, so if those are the two calls and those are the five whys, what's with the example list? Let's take a look at them. Let's do that. You ready? Ready? Okay, verse 5 and 6. Here we go. Put them to death. Therefore, what is earthly in you? Put to death what is earthly in you. And here we go. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Sexual immorality. The Greek word is porneia. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Porneia. It's any form of illicit sexual activity outside of marriage between a husband and a wife. It's any form of sexual, illicit sexual activity outside of marriage between a husband and a wife. And here's what Paul says. Anything like that? Kill it. Kill it. Ephesians 5.3 gives the idea that there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality in us. Not even a hint. By the way, if right now you're like, oh crud, I'm feeling way guilty. Welcome to the team. Right? That's why I covered what I did before. Hey, we know this. And if you happen to be sitting there right now, yeah, preach it, Doug, because, man, people who do that, I I can't stand them. Hey, kill that. (laughs) 
It's so interesting to me, Colossians 3, Galatians 5, other lists like this, that when the Bible starts listing out sins or virtues that we're not to do or we're to do, it always starts with sensual, sexual sin. Is that interesting? Everybody's really nervous right now. I can just see it on you. That's okay. Here's the deal. All of this gives us hope. God knows us. God knows us. You're going to see this carried out in the second list. God knows exactly who we are, where we're bent towards, and God's just so honest about it, he gets it out of the table, and this is one of them. You'd think he'd kind of like try and pack this in somewhere in the middle or at the end, right? No, no, no. First up, sexual immorality. Oh, not only that, the sensualness continues. Impurity. It's more general than porneia. It has this idea of filthiness, uncleanliness, and, and its idea of connected with loose living. Anytime this word is associated next to the word porneia, it's always talking about sexual sin. Sexual morality, sexual impurity. Next one, passion, inordinate, affection, it's lust. And again, anytime it's tied to porneia, it carries over the idea of sexual passion. I'm a passionate guy. I think you know that. I'm kind of a thin-skinned guy. Man, when I get going, tears come. I just, I mean, I, I just, I hate that. But it's just, that's who I am, a passionate guy. It's not talking about that. It's talking about lust passion. This whole first list is about sensual stuff, and here's the deal. Kill it! Evil desire, it's similar to passion, but how cool is this? It's related not so much to the actions of passion and purity and sexual morality, it's related to the thinking. Hey, listen, you can get rid of the internet, you can get rid of your computer, you can get rid of the hottie at work, and guess what? You can run it all right here, Right? And no one wants to say anything right now. Yeah, right. Thank you. And then covetousness. Really, I think this is the root of all the above. And I say that because the word literally means more to have. I want. More to have. I want that. It's a never satisfied. It's a, it's, it's, I want that. And, and then that becomes an idol that I bow down to. <laughs> From the very beginning, Adam and Eve coveted. And we know this. We do it every day. I wish I had that car. I wish I had that boat. I wish I had that house. I wish I had that job. I wish I didn't have this job. I wish I had a better schedule. We do it all day. We struggle with it. And by the way, it's idolatry, the text tells us. Here's the fact of the matter. The example list is this. Kill sexual idolatry. Let me ask, does that describe you? Um, No, that's not a problem for me. Well, man, good for you. I'm going to talk to the other 100% of the guys in the room then. Well, Doug, I don't struggle with that. Yes, you do. We all do. Wives, if you think that your husband couldn't, wake up. 
We all struggle with these. We get this. And yet the thing that Paul is doing is not putting this list out for us to all feel like worms that just stink. Here's the thing. Paul's saying, here's what I want for you to do. All those, you need to have the attitude. Kill it like a warrior. Go after it, take it out, work it out. But he doesn't stop here with that example list. He goes to another example list. Let's go there. Because maybe for you, the first list doesn't hit home. This one will. (laughs) Here we go. Uh, Look at verses 8 through 9. It starts with anger. Anger. Anger, deep, smoldering, resentful, bitterness. And by the way, this isn't talking about the, I got angry last month and then angry this month. No, no, this is talking about the chronic habitualness. All of us sin, all of us fall short. Forgiveness is available in it, but these are talking about life patterns. Anger, smoldering, resentful, bitterness. Does that describe you? Are you an angry man? Are you an angry woman? Put it to death. All of it. Put it all away. Go after it like that. Anger. Another one is wrath. Wrath. Sudden outbursts. It's the eruptions of anger. I was reading about in the day they used to use the word for a word picture. And when they talk about it, they had the idea that it was like dry straw that you drop a match on and poof, it's like, that, that's what malice, it's just like, out, it's just a wrath. That's what, it's just out, boom, and it's fast and hard. Wrath. Put it all away. By the way, provocations do not create anger or wrath in you. They just reveal it. Hear me on this. If you struggle with anger, it is not the situations around you that cause the anger. It is your own heart. And those are the things when your heart then speaks out. I'm not getting what I want. Wham! And my house, or my coworkers, are unleashed hell from me. Kill it. Put it to death. Put it all away. Malice. Malice is the subtle oozing of anger. Subtle oozing. It's bent to harm. You know that you're struggling with malice when you're sad when someone succeeds or you rejoice when they fail. By the way, malice can masquerade as concern. (laughs) Another one, slander, defamatory speech, insults. Do know this, slander defaces the image of God. We have been created in the image of God. Well, it's just righteous anger. (laughs) Hey, friends, I don't think you and I ever can do righteous anger. Just being serious about that. Oh, that was righteous anger. I bet somewhere in there it wasn't quite fully righteous. Obscene talk. Crass humor, filthy, coarse, foul, abusive talk. 
Is that you? We were watching the show the other day. What again is it? That you know, deadliest catch with you know the crab things. How those guys do that out of the boat? Beyond me. Watching the deadliest catch without crab fishing. And it's just so interesting. Karen and I were talking. Just all the bleeps. <laughs> I, this has not been a struggle for me. Okay. It may be for you. It adds nothing. If you think you're more of a man because you can lay out the F-bomb, if you claim to be raised with where Christ is, what does Christ think about that? I don't think it's more of a man or woman. I think it's like, dude, what are you talking like that for? If you struggle with obscene talk, Am I getting in your face? I am, but I'm getting in everybody's face today. And the reason for that is Paul gets in our face. Part of the problem today, friends, is Christianity. We're not out to kill sin. We're there to manage it. And Paul says, kill it! Last one, uh, in the verse 9, lying. Could be that lying is kind of pulling up with the others, but I'll just say lying. It's untruth. It's misrepresented truth. It's deceit. By the way, notice in the text, lying to one another. Hey, hey, do know this. All of these things listed, Paul is not talking to unbelievers. Paul is not talking to people who don't know Christ. Paul is talking to believers in Christ. He's talking about all these things that you and I know about, that you and I can struggle with, and he's talking about all of them, and even here he finishes up, don't lie to one another. Don't tell untruth. That imitates Satan. Satan is the deceiver. Satan is the liar. So put it away. Kill it. And again, I just asked, do you have a warrior mindset to kill these kinds of things in life? I don't know, maybe you're so discouraged because you've been at the battle your entire life. For you, I want to let you know this. Killing it does not mean it will cease short of heaven. It means we have this mindset until we see the Lord. If you struggle with sensual, sexual sin, hear me out from Paul. You may struggle with it for your entire life. But know this, every day we're to have a kill it mindset. If you struggle with social sins, kind of the second category, relationships with people, anger, malice, or whatever it might be. Know this, you may struggle with that for the rest of your life. God may just remove it, and that's, that's wonderful, but know this. It may be a struggle for the rest of your life. That means for the rest of your life, you are putting that off. Killing it. Trying to strangle the living life out of it. That's the mindset, that's the tenacity that Paul is trying to get across. And that's why he gives the imperatives of 
put it to death, put it all away. Just know this as a reminder sin is not passive, sin is on a hunt for you. A couple weeks ago, we brought in a picture of a wolf on a hunt. And know this, that's what you and I live in. Do you realize every day, every, 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 every day, you and I are being hunted down? And for some today, it might have to be, oh my word, I thought I could get to a place where I won't have any problems, where I won't struggle with anger, where I won't struggle with sensuality, where I won't struggle with anything. Life will just be heaven. (laughs) Let me love on you. You're thinking wrong. Because you are on a hunt. And let me add this, James chapter 1. It's not just Satan is hunting after you. It's your own self. Friends, you and I don't even need Satan around or demons around to cause us to want to pursue after sin. And oftentimes that becomes an excuse for people. Boy, Satan's really been on me this week. Man, that's amazing because there's only one Satan and he only can be at one place one time. You must be pretty special. Well, I mean, as demons. Well, uh, how do you know that? How isn't it maybe James chapter one uh, from within the own, uh, from the own habits of our sinful pattern, from the own habits of our sinful reality of the past, still living in the flesh? That's me. I'm in a battle with myself. And it's hunting us down. And that's why warriors always are thinking like this. Every day you're waking up to a battle. Every day. And I go, doggone it, I wish it wasn't. Because I want to do Disney World. Hey, Disney World's coming. And it's going to be for a long, long time. But until we hit Disney, we are in a war. We are in a war. So, Doug, what do I do? I've got to wrap this up. What do I do? Well, Paul's in the practical part, and he starts out. By the way, no next week is the put on. If you're walking out today and you go, boy, he's a grumpy dude. <laughs> I just want for you to know we're going with the text. We let the scriptures speak. And, and, and in fact, let me, let me say it this way. When is a thief no longer a thief? Well, most people would say when he stops Thieving, wrong. Biblically, that's wrong. True, we are now putting off. That's the putting off part. But actually, biblically, a thief is no longer a thief when they put off thieving and they put on giving. When is an angry person no longer an angry person? Well, when they stop angering. Through 50% of the way. But it's also when they start speaking grace. You see, next week's that other part. This is the put to death part. Okay? So with in light of that, I don't want for us just to walk out and go, Yeah, man, we need to put to death. Rawr, I'm a little bit more rawr, ready to go at it this week. 
Here's what I want for you to do. Because we walk out with that and we don't have anything meat on the table to be getting after. And this is what generally happens. We don't sin in, we don't sin in general. We sin in specifics. So here's the deal. We're going to get at it. Four things. Number one, name it. Name it. Christianity, we just have this tendency to talk about it. And we talk about it in big principles. Yeah, man, I got to get after sin in my life. And then a month later, six months later, we're like, hey, how's that getting after sin going? Man, I still got sin in my life. (laughs) Part of the problem is because what are you working on now? When our kids were young, we used to have generally one or two things that Karen and I both were on the same page with of character things we're working on our children. This month we're working on this. And now we, we could be about everything going on in their life that they need to change, but it's going to exasperate them. But it also helps us. This is the thing we're working on right now this month with our kids. And so for you and I, that's the same for us. What's one thing maybe out of this list, out of the sensual list, out of the social list? Maybe it's something even beyond that, fear of men, struggling with someone at work. What's the one thing? What's one, how many things? One thing that you can commit yourself in the month of May, I'm going after that one might even say, don't even make it the big one in your life. Just something you're going to put off. You're going to get more serious about this coming month. What is it? You're given a card. I'm going to ask for you to write that down. What is it? I, I don't, I, this is a Sunday. I don't want for you to leave in, in a foggy world. And you can already see there's some up here from the first service. What's one thing you're going after? And by the way, it's not the person's card next to you that's the deal right now. It's the one in your lap. Okay? So you are welcome to write in a two-point font if you want. (laughs) But here's what I'm asking. I'm asking us today to name it. Biblically, name it. One thing that in the month of May you are going to go after to kill it. I mean, kill it out. I mean, it's never going to cease as a potential, but you're going after it with that kind of mindset. I'm going to kill this thing and strangle it, not put it in my pocket. I'm not trying to tame it. I'm not trying to manage it. I'm not trying to minimize it. Well, everybody does that. You're not just crying tears over it. Corinthians talks about a worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. And one of the traits of, of uh, worldly sorrow is at times you cry over it, but you don't change it. And here's the thing. Hey, tears don't kill it. Tears are okay. But if you're not killing it, cut the tears until you start killing it out. And don't blame it. Well, my spouse, my kids, my parents never taught me this. Hey, listen, you've been raised with, seated with, and God has equipped you with his word and the spirit of God. Don't blame it. I'll even add, don't forgive it away. Well, God forgives. Yeah, I know. But God's also like this. 
hey, dude, are you killing it? It should be longer and longer distances between over time when I have to seek forgiveness of that because I'm getting after it. Yes, he provides forgiveness, but grace can become an excuse. I just need to read the Bible more. I think there's some times where God says, I'll tell you what, put down my word for a little bit and get after it. You know what to do. Do it. Or I just need to cast the demons out. Or I just need to pray them away. Man, I'm all about prayer. I'm all about praying it away. But do know this. God may even be saying, get off your knees and get changing it because the scripture talks about how even a husband who doesn't act, who acts in a certain kind of a way, God doesn't even hear your prayers. Name it quickly, sorry. And then secondly, share it. I'm going to ask you to share it with somebody. I'm going to ask you, someone in small groups, someone uh, you can to share it with. I'm going to leave that in your hands. It may be today, one of the ways you share it is just by when our final song, you come up and just set it up here on a thing and just let other people know, hey, I'm, I'm working on stuff. Name it, share it, and face down it. Take it to the Lord and repent. And your repentance may need to be God I have not been getting serious about this. I've been playing with this idol and I repent of my laziness. And then fourth, kill it. Get after it. Let's walk out these doors with a mindset, the doggone it, I am on a mission for Jesus Christ, raised with Christ, seated with Christ, where Christ is. And these are things in my life that, oh, they shouldn't be here. And Lord, I want for you to know, for the glory of your name, I'm getting after this thing. No more mamsy-pamsy Christianity, Lord. I'm getting after this and getting after this. And when I fail in it, I'm repenting quickly and and I'm going after it again, God. Again and again and again and again until I see you face to face. Warriors for Christ together, my friends. Let's be that. More of that. More of that in all of us. I want for us just to take some quiet time. Just take a minute. As Nick and Jill are coming up and getting ready to close us out here, I want for us just to have a, a moment here of quiet where you're, if you don't have anything written down, I want to encourage you to do so. And during our closing song, if you want to, I'm just very transparent. I'm just not one of those pastors that tries to emotion people into something. I don't want to emotion you. I want the Lord to be behind it. And if it's the kind of thing where you want to take your card and it would just be helpful for you to come up and just, while we're at the closing song, and just set it on the stage, it would just be one more step for you to, to go after killing whatever you might have done. I want to encourage you to do so. 
If that means you putting it in your pocket and keeping it in your wallet for the week and you remember every time you pull your wallet out that that's there, this is what I'm after. This is what I'm going after for God's glory. What is that for you? Let's just take some time and think. By the way, I just want to encourage you to think in specifics. We don't sin in general, we sin in specifics. So get at the heart of it. What is it? What's just one thing the Lord would respond and go, I would love to see you get after putting this off. What would it be? If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So until then, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put it all away. Hey, Harvest, I want for you to leave today actually encouraged. I want for you to leave today encouraged that this room is filled with people all in the same place. There's nobody in this room that has it all get together. We're all growing and changing. This is the kind of place we want to be. Growing and changing together in Christ. And I want for you to know that maybe today you're just so discouraged because sin has just like just been piling on you and you're so guilty in that. Listen, the Lord does forgive and the Lord equips you. God does not call us to do something that's impossible. He has redeemed you if you know Christ. And if you don't, that's where you need to stay. Start. But if you know Christ, he has redeemed you in him. He has given you his word and he has given you his own spirit to be able to allow us to be what he has called us to be. And today I'm just asking that we would be a church that understands all of us are on a warrior mission that includes putting sin to death. Let's have those kind of teeth. Let's have that kind of passion. Let's be that together. Graced to be more like Christ. Hey, Harvest, know that you are loved by the preeminent, supreme Jesus Christ. Amen.